Welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys. I've decided to um, venture back in to the sport that is played with the egg-shaped ball, um, something I've always struggled with. I think these guys are very, very, very talented uh, to play to play the sport they're doing. I'm joined today by former Auckland, former All Blacks, uh, former Edinburgh rugby player, Ben Atiga. How are you doing, mate? Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me on the show, cousin. Yeah, good to have you, mate. Good to have you. Um, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey uh, through your uh, through your life and career to date, um, and, and we'll see what it see what it takes us. Um, so you were born fifth of May, nineteen eighty three, um, in Auckland. Um, tell me, tell me a little bit about your uh, your childhood, your upbringing, your family, etc. Uh, yep. So born and bred. I'm a city boy. Uh, born. Uh, in Auckland, and I um, grew up in an area uh, uh, called uh, Ponsonby. It's uh, not far, not far from from Sky City, um, not far from the uh, the Sky Tower there. Um, so, right, right, right in the city there. Grew up in the lights, the noise, um, and uh, it was a good childhood. You know, I grew up. I have a, an older brother and two younger sisters. Uh, you know, we grew up in a big, massive household. Uh, Pacific Islanders like to um we like to we like to all live under one roof um you know we at times we'd, we'd have you know, anywhere from you know eight to ten people in the house um you know aunties uncles cousins um, um, um the house that i grew up in was uh, my mother's parents my my grandparents so you know they've you know traditionally we always um you know we always live with our grandparents all the way through to to, to, to their time comes so it's uh, it's a, it's just, it was a great childhood. We have a great neighbourhood, um, both our neighbours, and um, you know we'd always get together all the kids and uh, you know get out in the backyard and play a bit of rugby, pass the ball, pass the ball around every day. You know, uh, I guess it's that you know that ten thousand hours of honing in on your skills there. You know, we have small backyards and uh, um, sorry, small front yards, and uh, we. We, we stayed next to a, a high school, you know, so obviously we had access to the field right there on our doorstep. But we spent to, seemed, to, uh, seemed to have spent more time in our yard in a smaller confined space playing because just, you know, we're just too lazy to kind of use all the space out there. So you're really kind of honing in your skills, you know, uh, around your evasion and passing and all sorts. So, um, you know, it was, it was always a nice, uh, a nice uh, community feeling. Um, you know, we uh, have uh, had these Americans that grew, grew up to next door, and they 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 migrated to New Zealand the same time that my grandparents had back in the sixties, I think, the fifties or the sixties, and so they've 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 become my second grand my second parents, um, you know, and they're both professors, uh, and, and so and they've grown up with their kids as well, um, but to us it was you know there were no there were no gates between our houses, we would just wander over and eat what they're eating and you know, grab eggs and onions and things that we needed, uh, you know, and we'd always, it was always a kind of community feeling there. Um, so I'm very, very fortunate to have grown up in such a um, childhood like that. Um, but it was always fueled of rugby. Um, we grew up next door to a very uh, famous rugby family, uh, rich in, in, in uh, rugby history, and that's the Stanleys. Um, uh, Joe Stanley was an, an All Black uh, World Cup winner back in 87. And, um, you know, he was a legend of the game. And I grew up with his nephews who, who grew up next door with, 
Winston and Benson, who both end up in professional players. Benson became an All Black as well, um, and, and also uh, Joe's son uh, Jeremy as well. So you know, it was a, a very, uh, um, I guess, rugby mad uh, kind of community and neighbourhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it was just written in the stars that we were all going to be playing rugby in some some form or another, or uh, we'll be involved in the game. Yes, it's it's amazing to listen to. It's like you were. There was no other. You were going to. You were destined for it because it was. You know. You must have been the fact that the two boys you were discussing there, the Stanleys. Um, mm. You know, they would have been talented rugby players as well. So you know, you would all be competing. Um, and yeah. a lot of, I mean, you had it pretty much. I mean, sometimes people need to venture out to go and find, you know, somebody to play with or to play at a good standard. But you, you had yeah. it all through your childhood. Um, yeah. I like. I like the whole. Um, going in and out of the neighbours' houses. You know, that shows how much there was a close-knit community. Very yeah. similar as well, your culture um, to, to Pakistanis. You know, yeah. grandparents tend to stay uh, yeah. with, with uh, the, the children as they grow up and, you know, until yeah. the time comes. So it's very, very, very similar, very close-knit family. Really really, really nice to hear. Um, so rugby was destined to happen. When did you start realising you were quite good at it? Um, I guess... Um, probably around around high school, you know, when I kind of found uh, um, I was playing in the high high levels of each of the grades there at, at high school, and I guess coming through the age grades at the time as well, I was uh, was very fortunate to be making the age grades consecutively through the years uh, during my high school years, um, and. I don't know, I guess I guess when I was doing that consecutively, I kind of thought, well, this is obviously I'm I'm you know one of the top players in the country coming through in my age grade. If I as long as I maintain that, I should be you know I should end up somewhere in the pro leagues at some stage once I finish school. So that was just kind of my my thought at the time. But you know it, it was if anything it was a very faint thought. It was I just enjoyed playing the game. Yeah. Uh, just you know just playing with my mates. Um, that was what it was really all about. Uh, any other accolades that came with it was just, you know, that, that's the bonus. Obviously, everyone wants to win, but you know, it's the, it's the other parts outside of, you know, outside of the field that you enjoy. I mean, that's, that's been around your, your, your classmates at the time, and you know, your your brothers, uh, you know, and and your family. Um, those those were the really kind of things I look back, and those were the parts that I really cherish. Um, we had some great great wins at high school. Um, those are the ones that you know that you remember. But um, you know, um, I guess for me, it was really uh, probably towards the end of that, that that last year at high school, where I kind of realised I could I could do something uh, mm-hmm. with this as a, as a career. Um, but I was very uh, aware at the time as well that it wasn't everything. Um, it was it was around late the late nineties, and I guess there were a couple of players who were just coming into it. To retirement from from that, those first few years of pro rugby, and you know there were s- stories of them going coming back. You know where they were really struggling, I guess uh, mentally um, after the game, um, really struggling personally around there. Um, I guess just trying to find that identity out of rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I was aware that I had to have something to fall back on, but you know it wasn't as um, I guess as prominent as it is now, as it's really pushed, as it is these days, twenty years on. So, um, yeah, it was probably around that time I realised I, I wanted to play, uh, you know, as, as a profession. So, you went to, I mean, Auckland Grammar School. Um, 
pretty decent school from reading up on it. You were actually the uh, the 50th pupil um, to represent the All Blacks that came yeah. out of that school. That's that's some pretty impressive stats. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it is a uh, traditional rugby school, you know, very rich in, in rugby history. Uh, it was a great school to attend. I was, you know, again, just very fortunate to have uh, uh, received a scholarship to, to attend there. Um, and uh, my brother was there at the time as well. And a couple of us, uh, some of the Stanley boys who we'd grown up with as well, um, were there. Oh, sorry, were there previously. Uh, you know, that was uh, uh, Martin Stanley and, and a couple of them there, and Jeremy. And uh, it was funny. It's funny because our, our parents, our, our fathers went to another school called Mount Albert Grammar. And <laughs> us kids decided to just go against the grain and really kind of take the mickey out of the parents and attend the Wilkin Grammar. Um, so, is it a rivalry? Uh, is it a rivalry between? There is a rivalry in the household, you know. So uh, you know, and and now it's it's our kids who are coming through and deciding which, which school they'll go to. But um, you know, uh, so our generation ended up going to Grandma. But um, and, and obviously, I just kind of followed in my brother's footsteps as well, uh, and and some of the Stanley boys just wanted to be a part of that that little group there, you know, because obviously we'd grown up together. Yep. And, you know, um, it wasn't until I kind of got there where I realised the prestige of kind of being able to attend that school uh, and all the support there and, I guess, the resources there, mm -hmm. uh, not just in school, but obviously not just in, in education, but obviously in, in rugby as well. And, you know, I, I, I think I, I, I was aware, I was aware, I was actually well aware of how I could use this to, to help me kind of um, develop my rugby um and so you know i got stuck into it for my very first year i uh, just wanted to you know play the best i could um you know and ended up uh, ended up in our first 15 squad uh in my uh fourth form year which is our, our second year at high school mm -hmm. um and so i was a 14 year old kid playing amongst you know 17 18 year olds um so it was a huge learning curve that year you know i was just getting battered around all over the place um but it was a great it was a great experience to just kind of get a taste of fresh 15 rugby yep. at the time and i got obviously had spent the rest of my years there uh, playing at fresh 15 rugby um but you know just it's, it's such a huge um passion for rugby at that school the whole school gets in behind there's two and a half thousand boys there okay um, well then at the time um and you have uh around about 800 of them who are at the Tibbs house here, the um, hostel, hostel, hostel boys there, the guys there. So they're, they're, they're there at the games and they're performing the hucker ride across the field there, you know, it's just such a, such an intense uh, time, you know, some of those games, it's, but it's, a, it's just a, a great spectacle, a great uh, um, event to, to be a part of, you know, so you kind of, you put, you know, you put everything into it. Such a young age as well to get that kind of, you know, oh, yeah. atmosphere and you yeah. know hype about the sport. I mean, I remember playing school football, and you were lucky if you got three or four people that came and have a watch of the game after school. But yeah. that sounds like it was a real passionate family, all of you together, all of you wanting to win rivalries yeah. against other schools. And oh so, yeah. So what happened when you played the other schools? Where, where did you? What was your parents? What was your? What was uh, your... it was. It's funny because it seemed to be that everyone uh, seemed to be playing in teams that everyone wanted to beat. You know, it seemed like that's from the very beginning. So, you know, I ended up at a grammar school and it was just the team that everyone hated or everyone wanted to beat. It's probably because you won a lot. It's just probably success. People maybe, see you, they want to knock yeah, you off. I guess, 
I guess the history of it, you know, they're quite a successful team at the time. And, you know, and obviously being such a prestigious school, you know, all the resources, you know, kind of looked at as, you know, they get everything and yeah. you know, we get nothing. So let's take on the big dogs. Um, so it seemed to be every week it was just, you know, there was, there was a great, you know, there was always a chip on the shoulder from other teams. So you always felt you had to kind of win yeah. or perform well. Um, that was the same at, um, at club rugby. You know, I played at Ponsonby as well. And that was, everyone always likes to get one over Ponsonby as well. That, that makes the teams, yeah, uh, yeah, for some reason. And then obviously going into Auckland, it was the same thing. You know, everyone always just, you know, uh, raises their game level when they come up against Auckland. So it always, and then obviously with playing for New Zealand, same thing. So you always seem to be this in the team that yeah, you know, all the way through your school year. So talk to me about when did you actually make your way into the Auckland setup? Um, that was um, in 2002. It was just just a year out of high school, um, and that was that came on really really quickly. Um, I was I was just studying at the time. I was at, at Auckland Uni. Um, you know, it was mum that was always really hard on the education side. She's 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 a she was a careers advisor. She just retired. Um, you know, and dad, dad would just, you know, be kicking balls back and just making sure, like, you do whatever you want as long as you're happy kind of thing, you know. So, you know, you had the best of both worlds. Um, but, you know, I was I was locked in to, to, to do a BCom at, at Auckland Uni at the time. And it was just the first semester and I was playing, uh, you know, you played, they had two divisions there. So, sorry, they had like an A, you had your A team and your A-level professional side, and then you have a B team. And I was playing on the B team, basically just benching on the B team because, I was hardly at trainings. I was was at my at classes. So, yeah. um, ended up on the bench for for the B team one one uh, weekend. And over the span of that weekend, come into Tuesday, I think Monday or Tuesday, I got a call from uh, Graham Henry, who's uh, 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 an All Blacks coach, um, uh, who ended up uh, coaching coaching at Auckland at the time. Got a call from from Graham, and he. Um, Asked if I wanted to come down and train with the with the A team, and I thought, yeah, that's fine. I'll come down. So, you know, cut cut the class. Ended up, you know, had my boots in the car, and just just trotted on down there, down to Eden Park, uh, and then turned up, and it was just a massive media crew there, and it was all of a sudden it was like, oh, you know, like Ted was like, you know, you're gonna be, you know, you potentially you're gonna be playing this week for the A's, oh, wow. you know, and I was like, geez. Like, <laughs> And I was playing fullback as a fullback at the time. Uh, so I was playing number 15 at the back. And um, I ended up having to play in the midfield, which I hadn't played for, well, only had a couple of, you know, a couple of games like that throughout my career at the time. So it was really, really fast. So, you know, Tuesday I was down there and throwing a ball around and, you know, had all these all blacks around you. And these guys that I basically was watching the games in the terraces, watching these guys and, only, only, a, only a couple of weeks before or months before you didn't yeah, just a week or two before I was in the terraces with my mates face painted because you had you had free access to the terraces if you painted the full painted face <laughs> here I am like you know supporting the, the Auckland team at the time yeah. and two weeks later running out on the Friday night lights there um, you know uh, with, with you know your heroes so it was just a surreal feeling. Must be a great, great just, for your family and your friends. And oh stuff. yeah, you know, for them to see you take the take take the pitch. Oh yeah, yeah. My family were obviously really really proud. Um, it, it had come a little bit um, earlier than than I had expected. That I had really kind of targeted as a you know as a player. I thought you know get get my studies done and keep my foot in the 
you know, keep my foot in the game and just, you know, and then, you know, invest time into it later. Um, but it just so happened with injuries, et cetera, in that circumstance at that time, just the stars, I guess, seemed to all align and tell me, no, you're going in this week. So, um, so that was it. It just happened really, really fast. And um, it went from a couple of games, you know, here and there to fully immersed within the, within the pro environment. And that was it. I had to kind of start pulling back on some studies and I had to drop a couple of papers. Um, I actually had to sit my exams over in uh, Oxford, funny enough, because at that time of the year, yeah. we had our uh, New Zealand under-21s team. We played the World Cup down there, mm-hmm. uh, down in Oxford. And there was a couple of us players. There was another couple of All Blacks, uh, Tamadi Allison and um, and uh, Tom Wardrum, actually. He ended up playing Exeter here uh, in the Premiership. And uh, we had to... Uh, we had to, Oh, sorry, Stephen Donald. <laughs> Stephen Donald as well. Uh, we had to sell our exams up here um, in the hotel rooms and our manager had to oversee it, uh, which was funny. And it was just, it's just, it was just a funny experience right in the middle of a World Cup. Yeah. We, we were sitting exams and studying for exams, um, which we passed in the end. Good <laughs> to hear. That, you know, good to hear. Good enough. Um, so, um, you know, it was really, it was really funny. Yeah, you know, it was funny that I was still studying and then all of a sudden you, you, you're playing top, top level rugby. And um, yeah, it was just, uh, it just, like I said, it happened really, really fast. You know, I was, oh, man, I was just, I was playing, you know, we had our New Zealand schools tour at the, in January of 2002. We toured here in the UK, we toured the UK and France. Mm-hmm. That was our schools team. And then by the end of the year, I played pro rugby, um, you know, and we'd won the championship, you know, as well, which was just, you know, it's every kid's dream. Yeah. So when the, it was called the NPC back then, it was the national domestic competition there. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you know, it was just, you see your heroes every year, like playing for that trophy. And here I was hoisting it up. Uh, and I was, I was the youngest in the team. So I was, I was in charge of holding it. Yeah. We played down in Hamilton, which is roughly around just past say Hoyk. And so, you know, we'd, I'd have to hold it the whole way up on the bus, you know, and obviously everyone is celebrating. I wasn't allowed to leave it and like, you know, having to go to the bathroom, had to hold, if you see this, this, this trophy, it is, yeah. it is like Probably 20 size, top size, Same size as the top half of you. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like half of me, it was like 20 kilos and yeah. trying to stand there while the bus is, you know, and trying to, trying to take a leak. It was, yeah. it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't easy, easy feat, but, um, you know, it was just uh, like, like I said, that whole year just happened really fast. You know, from one from one end to the to the other end yep. of the spectrum. Uh, you know, it was exciting. You know, like it was I was living my dream. Yeah. You know, and um, and it just it just increased even more from there. It just uh, skyrocketed from there. You had a very successful um, kind of junior. I mean, you went into Auckland set up at a very young age, as you've said, and sounds like you kind of adjusted pretty quickly. Uh, but you also got a lot of recognition in kind of junior rugby as well, as in I, I would call like your, your 19s, your 23s. You won um, two world titles, I believe, with the 19s, 2001 and 2003, I believe. Um, you also played the under-23 um, and won the World Cup. Um, and you captained the 23s as well in 2004, I believe. So that must have been all of those, you know, World Cup experiences, um, you know, leadership as well must have been a great great progression for you to you know set you up for, for more pro rugby 
Yeah, um, it, it was. It was uh, looking back now and looking back at the years there. And I said there were some years I almost forgot about, you know, where I kind of like found, you know, saw an old photo from an old teammate who posted up on Facebook. And I'm like, geez, I forgot that we'd gone there or forgot about, you know, totally kind of forgot about that year. Yeah. To kind of go back into the archives. And, you know, there was just, it was just um, some really great teams to be a part of. You know, and like I said, I was just really, really lucky. You know, I was just enjoying playing rugby with my mates anything that was coming on top of that was was coming you know was was a bonus um but yeah like like i said you know that's when i started to realize that like i could do something you know as a, as a career i could potentially play pro rugby if i was good enough mm-hmm. and as long as i was obviously playing at the at the higher end of each grade then i knew i was i was you know sitting sitting right you know and, and just as long as i kept my head down i could i could do something you know so that's where the realization of the dream to play pro rugby came as was around those age grades and it just so happened like like I said like how fast it was to go from high school and then into pro rugby and then to go from you know in pro rugby and go to into the all blacks you know I was still playing age grade at the time so wow. you know the year after I played at, uh, at the world cup I um I was still playing in the under 21s the very next year that was the year that I kept them we actually played here in Scotland okay over in Glasgow and we, we won it here so you know, and at the time then we had a couple of players, you know, two or three players who had also played super rugby or played pro rugby at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who, who also had, you know, their careers from that year onwards had just skyrocketed into the All Blacks the very next year, you know, and, you know, the rest is history. Them, some of them become uh, World Cup, Rugby World Cup winners. So, you know, we had some really good, uh, I guess, you know, the development of the system there at the time was really good. Um, the players, obviously, the depth that we have in New Zealand is, it's just incredible, you know, and I guess... For such, small, for such a small country as well. I mean, it's, it's yeah, phenomenal, yeah. phenomenal. Cricket and rugby. Yeah, someone, yeah someone showed me a, um, a team list. Someone sent me a team list, sent it to my wife, and then she sent it to me. And I looked at the list there and then started counting through. And I think it was about uh, in the final that we played down in Oxford, there was around about, I think it was about 17 guys who had, who had played 17 to 18 in that... 20 squad of 21 that played that they had played pro rugby and I think it was about 12 guys played for the All Blacks wow. you know so was, and at the time that same year we we were without two two guys who were already in the All Blacks three guys who were already in the All Blacks at the time all of them which came came up as, as World Cup winners as well it was Dan Carter, Ma'anonu and Joe Rokofoko you know just out, absolutely the best you know the greatest players within their positions you know so the depth was was there, and I guess because of that, you kind of really rise to the occasion through those age grades. And I guess that's why we've had such success, um, not just that age grade, but obviously going into into pro level as well. It's just knowing that you can be replaced, yeah. you know, is enough to to just keep your head down, you know. Yeah. So um, you know, so as I said, like it was really lucky to be playing in those in those in those um uh, those national squads uh, as a, as a you know as a kid really. Yeah. But it was definitely the, the taster, you know, to, to, to better things, the greater things. And yeah, I was just, I look back now and just some incredible memories. And like I said, it wasn't really, obviously the results were great. You know, it was, it's great to, to win a World Cup, to be a world champion. But, uh, you know, it was just, is there anything else, right? It was just hanging around in the hotel with the boys. It was, you know, we stayed at the Dalmore Hoy here in Scotland last year. And they had a golf course right there 
and then it sits on a golf course. So here we are every day, we get into our mini teams and we're playing these putt challenges, these chips challenges, all, you know, dressed, you know, dressed up and, you know, like ridiculous outfits, you know, with, with paying, you know, paying customers, you know, obviously, um, you know, high income earners over here yep. and we just, it just didn't look right, you know, but yep. just had the time of our lives, you know, and there were so many great memories uh, off the field that I remember the tours that we had here to the UK. I was, I was lucky enough to, before I finished school, I was, I'd already toured the UK twice uh, in, in France, you know, I'd been to Dubai, um, geez, when I was like 14, yep. to Dubai in 98 before it became the big, big city that it is. Yeah. Um, you know, to be able to go to the US and travel to some of these places, travel around the world, you know, ended up in Italy, you know, uh, in 2002 and our last year, oh, sorry, the year just out of high school, um, you know, just being able to do that much traveling, um, you know, just and see the world and kind of get that experience, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, you, you just can't put a price tag on that. Yeah, um, it's, it's amazing. Know? Yeah, when you look back at your memories and 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 where you, where you've been able to travel, my my actually under ninety World Cup was in New Zealand. So All right, I, I played in Dunedin, and <laughs> I, look back, I look I look back sometimes and just pinch myself and just think I was sixteen yeah. years old over yeah. in New Zealand, just uh, unbelievable life. So for you to be over, I mean, I was enjoying the warm weather. You got you boys would have been struggling a little bit <laughs> with, the, with the temperature when you landed in Scotland. Oh mate, it was funny to see snow for the first time. You know, just trickling down. We ended up in Jedburgh, just down the, just in the outskirts of the city, and it just was like, wow, this is cool. We had to stop the bus and get out and take photos because it's like <laughs> guys are freaking out. Some of us never seen snow before. Um, yeah. This all this all leads, um, you know, amazing amazing upbringing you've had with the sport and great background. Um, but it all leads to then the big dream of uh, of pulling on the black, the black, the black all blacks top, and you know performing the haka, uh, which we all love worldwide. You know, it brings such a such an energy to the game. But it all leads to around 2003, I believe. Um, you got called in to a World Cup test, I believe it was, because it was an injury. Um, mm. and, and you got called in to play what, what turned out to be your only test, but mm. you played. You, you got to play for the All Blacks. Tell me, tell me about the events leading up to that. Again, it was you know similar to my first game playing in pro rugby. It was uh, um, at the time uh, we were. It was funny because all obviously all of your All Blacks and the All Blacks season year are, are overseas, so you're left with just your core group. And each of those pro teams there. So at Auckland, we were just left with, and you know, I think there was must have been ten or twelve guys who ended up over there, and they were our, obviously our senior players, our yep. our top players at Auckland. And so all that was left was just us younger younger guys, you know. And that was my second year, second year in pro rugby. Um, you know, I was twenty years old then at the time, mm-hmm. going into that year, and it was it was almost, it was felt really funny because it felt like an age grade team again, because everyone had gone and you were left with just us guys who had actually come through together Mm -hmm. uh, through the age grades or the majority of us anyway. Um, And I remember a conversation um, earlier that, that season in the preseason and uh, Graham Henry had called myself and another player, uh, Sam Tuitupo, um, who also became an All Black a couple of years later. And he caught us into the room and, you know, we were just young kids, but we'd, he'd already played a couple of seasons as well. So he, 
he was another who, who kind of rose really quickly through the ranks and call got called in to take by by graham and i'll never forget what he said he said you guys are going to have to mature and mature quickly you know and it just kind of just hit me in the face that like geez we are you know we are kind of some of the leaders in the team that will have yeah. to you know um kind of set set an example for, for the guys for the new guys that are coming in mm-hmm. um so but the great thing is we had some really good players who uh you know in our age grade who were really willing to take that step and, and lead had some really good players uh, angus mcdonald and daniel braid and a lot of these guys who were leaders within our, our age grade teams who kind of took that charge and took it upon themselves to to lead and then we had a couple of senior players also who were who were there at the time great leaders and we just had a really good mix then but it was really good to play that season because all the other teams were without their their top players as well mm-hmm. so it was almost like i said like playing the age grade again and playing against each other but you know it was uh, i guess you know it felt like we were playing some really good expressive rugby you know because really it was not much pressure you know to kind of play the level that we were playing at because a lot of those guys were playing over at yeah. the world cup so you know really just enjoyed it um and i guess through that enjoyment that's kind of where i started to you know uh, i guess open up in my own game um as opposed to the season before um and it, like i guess i guess that's what the selectors realized um at the time i was playing in multiple positions so i guess that was another um you know attract attractiveness to to, to the to selection process as well that i could fill in for different positions um and then it just so happened that uh, you know a couple of guys had gone down uh, over in melbourne over in australia there. um and so again it happened really quickly we, we played one week uh we played for a, a it's a, it's a, a trophy in new zealand called the ranfurly shield uh, it's a very, uh, you know, it's a very uh, historical, um, you know, shield that it kind of any any level, any division can actually play for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to play someone at their home to to and beat them to take it off them. So it can go from any level of rugby, can go from pro level to the second, third division, oh, okay. and they could hold on to it for years, you know. And so, you know, we we were able to win it uh, one week, and the very next week we were playing in the semi final, and I got a call. Uh, from the coach, head coach at the dinner table, he's asked if he could have a word with me, and you know all the boys are like, "Oh, he's in trouble." <laughs> you know, I was like, "Man, what did I do? I, I'm sure I've done nothing wrong." It's like so, um, so obviously he pulled me over, and pulled me into the corridor, and he was like, "You know, um, keen to play for the All Blacks." <laughs> you know, just really kind of. It was uh, Wayne Pivak at the time. He's actually the coach of the Welsh uh, oh, okay. national yeah. team at the moment. Um, uh, so yeah, feedback called me. Come across, yeah, one play for the All Blacks. I was like, what? Was like, you, know, you want to play? I was like, no, I thought he was having me on. So um, you know, he said, look, Thorpey, uh, uh, the manager at the time, he said he's on the he's on the line. He wants to talk to you. I said, no, nah, you're joking. And because he's got a smirk, because feedback's a bit of a character, you know. So yeah. you don't know if he's joking or not, you know. And so he gave me the phone, talking to to a guy on the other end. So I've been the All Blacks here. We, uh, we need you to come over. Um, you know, tomorrow or as soon as, as soon as you can, um, are you able to get on a flight? And I just thought, I'm looking at Peter and I'm like, no, this is this can't be right. And I just kind of went with it. And then he's like, great, okay, I'll hand me back to Peter and I handed it back to him. And then obviously he's on the phone still. So I'm thinking, this is real. This is real. This is happening. My heart just started to really beat fast, you know. Yeah. And then you know, Peter said, look, let's just go back into the dinner room and, you know, 
you can mention it to the boys if you want. Otherwise, just kind of, um, you know, we'll just keep it quiet. But then by the time we got in, I just kind of was sitting there and I couldn't eat, you know. And, you know, Sammy, Tutupo, my, my mate was standing around. He's like, what's going on? And I said, no, nah, nah, I don't know. It was just like, I was just dumbfounded for words. I was like, couldn't believe what was happening. And then uh, eventually they got it out of me. Um, and so, and, and that was it. Boys were just kind of over the, the great thing is the whole team were over the moon for me as well, uh, because yeah. we'd grown so close together. Um, you know, that was the group that had to kind of really bond. Um, and so, and that was it. I was, I was on a flight the very next morning back up to Auckland to pick, pick my bags and then over to, to Melbourne to, to join the team over there. So it just happened so quickly. Like, you know, I was playing with my mates, one yeah. week and then the very next week, you know, you're, you know, we're watching you're the game. We're watching it all next stage. You're on the biggest of big yeah, you're on the world stage. It was yeah. the semi final you got called into. No, it was uh, it was the last round Robin game, I think it was, uh, and it was against Tyre. Um, but and and even then, like you know, getting called in, I was just like it was funny because I'd walked into the hotel and all the Auckland players who were there were yeah. just over the moon because we'd we'd beaten. Uh, one of the top sides, Canterbury, down there for their shield games, and they were like stoked, yeah. you know. So I felt, oh, great, at least I've got the boys here. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, I got there, it was like Sunday, I think it was Sunday afternoon, and you know, it was just kind of like, you know, getting to training and just putting on, you know, new pair of boots that I couldn't fit and just trying to chug around and, and, and follow direction. and trying to contribute as well as much as as much as you can you know you don't want to kind of just stand there like a sore thumb and do nothing is it quite a welcoming quite a welcoming environment going into the going into the all black squad was it did you yeah. feel comfortable they made you feel feel welcome yeah, yeah it was you know obviously everyone is just coming back from i think they were recovering they're getting massages and doing pool sessions and things so they're coming in drips and drabs mm-hmm. you know but they're all coming along and shaking my hand and they're you know introducing themselves yeah, obviously you know who everyone is and yeah, yeah. kind of introducing yourself like you know so it was it was real funny you know you you know you have guys like obviously Richie McCaw and you know at the time you had the guys like Carlos Spencer and um you know uh big Brad Thorne you know were just big big personalities in the squad you know big 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 people and but they were all really nice really down to earth and you know you kind of felt at ease after that um, but it was, you know, it was just uh, great to be obviously in, in that environment and, and learn a lot of learnings from it. Um, but within, again, like again, within a couple of days, you know, I'm holding bags and just trying to learn what the moves are and, you know, get next to the coach as much as he can mm-hmm. um, and around the, the playmakers. And then, you know, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday and they named me the team. <laughs> they're kind of just sitting there, you know, in the circle and, they're just posting up the faces that are starting yep. and they're getting all the way and they got to like 20, you know, 22, I think, yeah, 22 and bang, my face popped up there. Wow. It's like, geez, what's going on? And all the boys, you know, the boys just nudging you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was sitting next to a couple of, you know, the young, like Dan Carter and Ma'a Nonu and Joe Rokotheka, you know, those were my close mates. We'd yeah. come through the gauge grades and they were kind of just like no nudging me, you know, and I just was yeah. like, What's going on here? This must be, where are the cameras, man. Like honestly, man, I'm getting punked there somewhere, you know. So, um, and that was that. Like we ended up all going off to the cinemas that night, but just the whole time, just sitting there, I wasn't even watching. I can't even remember what I was watching. I just remember like not being there. I wasn't there, you know. I hadn't even called home yet. I hadn't called mum and dad. Um, 
you know, I didn't really know what to say, really. It was hard enough to tell dad that, you know, I'd made the Oblix to start with. But um, again, like it was that quick, you know, I got off the plane on the Sunday and then I was sitting on the bench on, on the Saturday uh, in Brisbane. And, you know, there's like 60 odd thousand people all there or watch the game, you know, and you kind of just, you know, trying to take it in. But at the same time, you're just you're trying to make sure that you're switched on. Um, and, and obviously, as the game went on, you know, you're kind of just, you know, you're building up a lot of tension and a lot of anxiety at the same time. And you're seeing guys go down and you're thinking, oh, geez, they might call me. I might be going up and they get back up and they carry on. You're kind of like, shoot, lucky. Thank goodness. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to go on the field anymore, which is funny, you know. And then it was funny. It was, it was only towards the very end, the last couple of minutes of the game. And I thought, oh, geez, I might not actually get on. I, I actually want to get on now. So, yeah, yeah. you know, and it was funny. They scored a try and and then they called my name. And that was it. I was like, I was just struck down real quick. I was just ready to, because it warmed up how many times, you know, and you kind of like just stay warm, stay warm. Uh, and then finally, when my name got called, um, and Ma'a was still right next to me, he was like really cheering me on. Um you know, and I ended up going on the field with them at the time. And it was just, you know, again, I went onto the field and it was just a blur. You know, you just try, you're trying to you're trying to hear hear the guys um on the on the pitch and it's quite loud and you just you know you're just thinking, oh man, don't 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 screw up, don't screw up, don't screw up. Don't screw up. But mind you, we'd already put 90 points on, on Tom at the time. So I was kind of like, okay, we're okay at least. But yeah. you know, at least don't screw up, you know, anything, don't give away any consolation tries. You know, and that was it. I scooped up a ball. <laughs> you touched the ball, they chipped it through, scooped it up, and ended up running straight into two big Tongan boys, and the ball just popped right out, popped out, and there was a scrum, and I think that was pretty much the end of the game. But, you know, it was, again, it was just a surreal experience. I uh, couldn't believe I was there. Um, but again, you know, it was, and it was only five minutes, you know. I only played five minutes of the game, mm-hmm. and that was my international career, you know. And obviously, I, you know, it was it was. Uh, you know, trying to obviously get back there, you know, mm-hmm. throughout the years. But you know, I look back now, and you know, I'd never, I'd never replaced it. I've never, you know, uh, never regret it. Um, so glad that I was able to get that opportunity, and so thankful to the to those who who made that possible. You know, and obviously not just the selectors and the coaches. It was you know the people that that were on that journey all the way along. You know, the people that would, you know, from dad who would be up there and kicking balls back to me in the evening. You know, without you know, without having to go back inside on the field, you know, to all those, the coaches and staff and and teammates who, yeah. who made it possible, you know, it was, I, I realised it wasn't me that had made that team, it was collective, you know, that, that had kind of helped me through that journey. So it was just great to be able to realise it, to realise the dream at the time. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's, as, that's as far as, as that uh, international career win, unfortunately. I mean, the fact, look, Anybody that we're talking about, we're talking about one of the the, the, the strongest squads in, in world rugby. So, I mean, to get there shows, mm. you know, how well you did in your journey. You went on to, you won you won three national titles in total with Auckland. Um, you know, you were, you had a start, you had an amazing junior career, as we touched on. You got all the way to play to, playing for the All Blacks of the World Cup. And around kind of 2008, you decided to to take a break completely yeah. from rugby. You know, it's public knowledge that you were you were struggling with your your mental health, depression, mm. anxiety. Please tell me a little bit about that time and, and what led to those events. 
Yeah, it was, um, uh, I think the previous season had been quite a quite an extensive season. Um, ended up, uh, you know, you play, you play two competitions, you play the domestic competition and then you play the Super Rugby competition, uh, which takes up the majority of the year. Uh, and then it clicks over that domestic competition again, it starts up again uh, towards the end of the year. Um, at the end of the Super Rugby competition, I uh, ended up having to go into the New Zealand Sevens team um, and finish off the what was the World Circuit at the time. Um, so it was, and we, the Super Rugby season, I think it was one of the first years we did extended the, the competition to two extra teams. So it was obviously an extended season. And, um, you know, we'd made it all the way to the semi-final, so we were still playing. And it was, um, we'd actually spent uh, about five weeks over overseas. And at the very end of the season, we ended up in South Africa for about, sorry, two or three weeks, then flew back to um, Perth to play a game there, only to wake up and find out that we had to fly back to South Africa to play a semi-final. Um, so we went all the way back and I just remember, like, I think we'd all had enough of each other. Yeah. You know, two weeks is long enough on tour, right? So going to go four or five weeks, I think everyone was quite short with each other at the time and it was quite intense. And we went all the way back and it was funny, you know, we were in the semi-final. We hadn't been in the semi-final for a few years. We'd kind of been in a drought at the Blues at the time. And so we went back and I remember uh, Kevin Mealamu, one of our, our leaders in the squad, brought the team together and said, look, we, I know it's really tough. We're away from families and things and everyone's a bit short right now, but, you know, let's kind of just sit back and go, look, you know, 90% uh, of guys in the team have been in the semi-final before. Let's really kind of take this both hands. But, you know, we were able to get a couple of days away, come back as a team. And, you know, we really enjoyed it. We, we almost got there in the end. We just lost uh, to the Sharks. But then we flew back and, uh, and it was from there I got a call that I needed to go back and I needed to go into the sevens. Uh, I never played sevens. I never kind of played through through the club club or, or age grades. Didn't really like it, to be honest. <laughs> but the competitions that I did play, I'd, I'd try and make a break and instead of going the whole way, I'd, I'd upload it to someone else to a speed thing would finish off and just wait back at the, at the kickoff line. So I, I never really liked it. I, it just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't for me. Um, and so obviously getting called into that squad, I was quite nervous to be honest, because I don't think I was at in that condition as of a sevens player. Like those guys are ridiculously fit and, and fast. Um, so, you know, the set my season that had just finished had now extended into the sevens, um, which had taken a couple another month or so. Um, and by the time that had finished, I was back into the domestic uh, preseason. Um, just non-stop. Non so it was just non-stop there. You know, it was non-stop for that year, 2007. And then rolling in, and then the, the, the Super Rugby season rolls into the early parts of 2008. And then obviously when that finished up, I went straight back into the domestic competition. And at that very that time as well, we had a massive exodus of players. So some of my best mates, some of the guys I'd grown up since I was a kid, had all kind of um, gone overseas. Um, and so I was obviously there really on my own, I think, at the, at the time. Um, but by the time that, that season had finished, I would just really felt, I was just, I had really bad uh, chronic knee uh, pain. And was just trying to get through the season there. But I just was, as that season progressed onwards, I was just kind of, um, I don't know, I was getting to a place where I just wasn't enjoying it. I was, wasn't thinking the, you know, wasn't thinking, thinking straight really. 
Um, and it got to a point where, you know, and I've mentioned it before that I, I was on the bus on the way to, uh, on the way to Eden Park and um, all I could think about, and I was sitting at the back of it, and usually when you're on the bus, they had these, you know, traditionally you had your younger guys at the front and then the more games you played, you're at the back. Yep. And it was, must've been the last uh, two or three games. And I was at the back and I was at the back by myself. It was like, geez, I finally made it to the back of the bus. But at the same time, I was there all by myself. I had the whole back row to myself. And then a couple of seats were empty before the next guys who were, you know, who, who were able to sit at those seats were there. And so kind of found myself sitting here all alone. Like, I guess I was just a bit lost in my thoughts as to like, you know, I think I was thinking of other things around like, what am I doing here still? I should be somewhere else. or I should be, have progressed in my, in my rugby career. You know, I should be, you know, you know doing much better. And um, I just remember thinking, I just can't wait to be in the last two or three minutes of the game. You know, when you get to the last two, three minutes and you kind of, you either want it or you haven't, but you kind of just, you tend to just enjoy a little bit more and just kind of run out the game. Yeah. Um, I was, that's all I could think about. But then I kind of found that that's what I was thinking about. Actually, I was thinking about that for quite a few games leading up. And that's when I was just like, man, if I'm thinking like this, this is just not fair on the, on the team. Uh-huh. Um, I can't be doing that, you know. So, I guess after the game, um, after that game, we uh, had just, I think we just lost, you know, and we just got into this mentality we were losing a lot. You know, I wasn't used to it. I'd kind of come through a, a career where, f- from you know, from school all the way through the age grades, all the way through to pro level, I was used to winning. Uh-huh. I never really kind of experienced losing much, and you know, we'd had a disastrous year. I'd kept in that year as well. Um, but like oh, it's right. just, so that's, that's that's an added pressure as well when you're the captain. Of course, you know, but it was the greatest. Was, yeah, but it, again, it was like the greatest honour of my life to be able to captain Auckland, be able to run out the Eden Park as a captain. You know, dream come true. Should have been, should have been the best time of your best time of your career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and although I, I still, you know, I took those moments in when I was running out. I knew I knew where I was. Um, you know, obviously the, the toll of the season had kind of. Um, you know, paid its price, and and so I just was just in that place. Couldn't really, I couldn't really figure out why I was thinking that way, but I knew that I, I just had to get away from it. I had to get away from that environment, um, and and I think you know, and I no, I know that with you know with my, my my knee at the time, I knew I had to get it cleaned up. I knew there were things flying around my knee, um, and that that had been a knee that had been like that since I was in the eighth grade as well. So it was just compiling and I thought I need to take a break and I need to get this right I thought that that's what I needed to get right I thought that my knee was what I needed to get right but the moment I uh I um I called um I can't remember what I called but I um I uh made myself unavailable for selection for super rugby mm-hmm. um the moment I did that though oh geez I just had I felt a huge weight off my shoulders just disappear I just felt I had more energy during during the day, during that whole day, to go out and just get out and about. Um, and I'd never been so happy in a long time, which felt like a long time, I guess. But maybe it was just that year. But um, I just couldn't figure out why, you know. So and I just loved it. And I thought, oh man, I'm I'm going to stay in this this place as long as I can. Um, and I thought I would just take that Super Rugby season off and I'd come back. You know, I thought you know I'd take a break. You know, I. I, um, you know, I was, I was okay enough to just keep my foot in the game, get back to full strength, and then 
you know, try, and then trial up for the for the Auckland side the next season. So, but that just kind of you know the year the, the, the those uh, that season had come and gone, and I just was like, you know, I kind of blew it off. Like you know, I knew I know I have to start training now, but I was like, oh, I can't be can't be asked really. Just I I just love right now that I don't have to get up and have to you know get to the gym or have to beat the street or I have to you know eat this or you know like I was really bad nutritionally you know so I was a yo-yo a yo-yo weight person which a lot of us Pacific Islanders are you know we can chuck on three kilos and then drop it like yeah. that in the space of a few days so I was really bad at my nutrition but obviously I just blown out once I wasn't playing anymore mm-hmm. um, and I just shot right up I went from 98 kilos 97 kilos all the way up to 121 in the space of about three months after the after my last game, um, mind you, it was Christmas and New Year's, and we tend to go really. Well, that's, a, that's another excuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just was like, I was in the state, and I couldn't figure it out. And I I realized like I hadn't even spoken about those thoughts. I hadn't spoken to anyone about it, not even my family. Uh, you know, and I just I kind of actually isolated myself from them. Like I not 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 on purpose. I you know, it was un- un- unknowingly I was doing it. I didn't know that, but like, I just didn't want to talk about rugby, you know, um, you know, even though they were asking what's going on, I just was like, it wasn't something I wanted to kind of go down. Um, and my partner, my wife who was my partner at the time. She could just, she was, she was starting to see a decline in me. Like I just wasn't, wasn't motivated to do anything. You know, I was just stuck. You know, I had, I stayed in our, our house and our, our, our family home there and I just never came out of it. I just was in bed the whole time. I'd come out to probably go to the loo and go back inside. You know? And then I'd go up the road to get some takeaways, come back home. That was my day, you know? And I just thought, well, this is cool. You know, I was still thinking this is fun and I actually enjoy this, you know, but I didn't really know. I was kind of just, you know, uh, you know, just unmotivated. I was... You know, I, and I didn't actually know that I was in a really, really bad, bad way. Um, but, you know, I, I, I ended up, you know, making some really bad decisions. Um, you know, I ended up with the wrong crowd. You know, I ended up meeting some people that just kind of, you know, wasn't good for me, um, you know, and kind of was always looking at the bottom of a barrel every single, you know, every single Friday, Saturday. I kind of felt like, I kind of felt uh, weird that on a Friday or Saturday that I wasn't drinking, that I wasn't doing anything, you know, um, that felt wrong. Like I should be taking advantage of the weekend kind of thing. Um, you know, and that, that, that was my thought process at the time. And it wasn't until, uh, and that was all through. So that was the end of 2008, all the way to towards the end of, uh, 2009. And, um, I just re- I, I, uh, at the time, um, uh, there was a cyclone uh, over in in uh, Samoa, uh, in, in the islands, and um, they were running a fundraiser. I was I was actually uh, trying to stay stay in shape because I couldn't actually fit any more clothes. So I was I tried to stay in shape, and I ended up uh, at Les Mills at the gym there, uh, just in the city. And uh, my neighbour there, my uh, Marty Marty Stanley, who was one of the Stanley boys who played in during the days, he was a PT there at the time so he would he would get me in there and i'd do pt work and we'd just be boxing and doing all sorts of things but it was just a good place for me to go and kind of confide in someone to talk to someone because i was close with marty and, mm. and and just kind of just chat about anything just you know and um it was there where you know the cyclone happened unfortunately in Samoa, and he came up with this idea they're like shucks we should actually we should actually make up a game uh, uh, an old boys game where 
um, we bring all the you know ex ex players of Pacific Island descent, you know, and play against a, a New Zealand team. You know, and I just thought, oh, whatever, uncle. Like, I call him uncle, and I said, whatever, uncle, you're not going to do that. And I, I really didn't think he'd do it. And uh, within a week, I'd seen an email and it had all these legends of the game, all these all black legends that I had watched as a kid, all of them on the email. Um, and uh, along with that, had that you had a couple of guys from uh, soccer as well, from football, yeah, some of the all whites guys and, and some of the black caps boys, yeah. all on this email. Uh, saying, look, we're looking to sort out a game to raise money for the tsunami, mm -hmm. and within the week, we were all um, we we're all together um, as a group, and I was just like, wow, this is cool, man. Some of the legends of of sport, New Zealand sport, were all here down on the field, and we did this promo midweek, um, uh, uh, right with the Auckland side, the Auckland team at the time, and so obviously I'd gone back down there, and that was the very first time I'd seen all the boys, all my teammates. In that last what 12 to 18 months at the time okay. uh so i was obviously just reconnecting with them again and it was just great to be around them and i was just great to be in an environment we did a little promo we playing touch with those with the, with the net with the senior player with the um the pro players at the time that was done and dusted and then you know everyone had left but i just stayed on just watch the trainings try to help out at training as much as i could but i was just way out of shape and couldn't really keep up with the play but it was just, you know, I got into the changing rooms with the guys and sat around them. And I think it was uh, Ali Williams, who was uh, uh, one of the stalwarts at, at Auckland at the time. He was, he was, he was the only one that was really brutally honest with me. Um, kind of sat and he's like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Nothing, man. Goes, what are you doing with yourself?" I said, "Nothing, man. I'm just enjoying, enjoying life." You know. Uh, and he said, "Look, man. He said, look, you can." said something on the lines of like you can do whatever you're doing when you finish but you you won't be able to play rugby you know if, if there comes a time when you want to go oh, i feel like playing that time's going to come and go yeah you know so you need a you need to switch on you need to switch on right now you know it was really good to hear that from someone and he's kind of really he's he's a character he's quite straight down the mm -hmm. down the arrow there so um i needed to hear that and i kind of and and after that day i was like geez yeah what the hell am i doing I'm bloody throwing this dream away. I've forgotten why I enjoyed playing the game. It was all those other times. It wasn't even actually playing rugby. It was just being around the boys. So I kind of made a conscious decision then that I was going to go back. Uh, so I just, yeah, had to start shitting away. And I told the coach at the time, um, uh, Mark Ainscombe, I said, look, I'm keen to come back next season. I'm going to, I'm going to really work my ass off now. Um, and that was it. I just... Got myself into a bit more, a bit of shape, and played a bit of club rugby at Bonsonby, and then went into the, made myself available, and, and was able to make selection to the Auckland side moving forward, and and that was that. I was back in eighteen, almost two years later. I was back playing pro rugby, and I and I loved it. It was great to be back, um, but I started to find even within that year, it started to decline towards the end of that year again. I started having those feelings again. Couldn't figure it out why, and. It, it wasn't until something my brother said to me, and he, he told me this, you know, within the first couple of years of my pro career, where he started to see it, started to just kind of go stale. And he mentioned, he said, you need to get out of Auckland. You need to get out of this environment. You need to go somewhere different mm -hmm. and re reinvent yourself, reinvigorate your, your career. So, you know, he, he brought that up again. <laughs> and so um, I just decided, okay, I'm, I'm just going to, I need maybe I just, there's, there's no point in me kind of getting to this place again. You need to try anything you can, you know. So yep. 
decided I went down. That was the, the very next season I went down to Dunedin, I went down to Otago. And it was funny because it was a bit, it was another dream of mine to go down to Otago. Um, while I was at high school, one of my cousins was down there uh, as a uni student. He was down there with some of the, some of the biggest characters in New Zealand rugby down there, Mark Ellis and, uh, and uh, Jamie Joseph and all these guys. And um, always dreamt of kind of being playing being that Scarfy life. I'm not sure if you saw that when you were down there, but you see all the unis. Yeah, oh yeah, that's, that's where you go to escape your parents after yeah. you finish high school. You go down to Dunedin, you get as far away as possible. Yeah, it was lively, yeah. I remember it was it was all going off there. It's crazy, right? So I thought, oh man. So a couple of us in our last year of high school, a couple of really close mates, we were like, you know, when we finish, let's all go to Dunedin. And we made a pact that we were gonna do it. But then obviously I got called into the you know the Auckland Academy and with a couple of other players and couple of other players ended up uh, getting accepted into another university and only one of our guys that we thought would never ever leave home a Tongan boy ended up going down and spent a good 10 years down there you know and he just you know ended up playing pro rugby as well so you know for me it was like oh you know it's an opportunity to kind of live out a little dream there and yeah. spend uh, eight months down in Dunedin and kind of uh, get amongst it all and enjoy the rugby so and it was really it was it was one of the best seasons I, I, I played, you know, uh, in terms of rugby, obviously I didn't go as well as I'd expected, but I was just in really good shape. I was in a really good headspace. I was enjoying myself. I was just at the, at the time, because my wife, my, my girlfriend, she was my partner at the time, um, uh, we'd just uh, been engaged as well. And so I was, you know, she was still at home with our daughter and I was like, you know, I was miss, obviously missing them. And it was, that was the first time being away from them. And it's just then when I realized, like, oh, I can't do this again. This can't happen. Got to, got to be together. So, um, I just, uh, yeah, I got to that place where I was like, geez, I need, I should have done this a long time ago. Probably should have kind of got out of my shell a little bit more, mm-hmm. got into my, out of my comfort zone a bit more. And so, from then onwards, I decided, okay, because I always wanted to as well. So, all this travel that I had done as a kid, you know, I, uh, and then seeing uh, one of my cousins up in Italy, who was you know, uh, um, playing up there. He played from, you know, he played in England as well and he ended up in Italy. Um, you know, seeing him up there around his mates and just the kind of way he was enjoying rugby and life at the same time, it was just like, oh man, I've got to, I definitely want to play overseas when I finish. And so that was another another goal for me that I, I wanted to do. So after the after Otago, I decided, oh no, I need to get overseas. I don't really care where, just I need to get out. I want to enjoy I want to get some worldly experience, you know, and and get amongst it. So, and that's when Edinburgh came calling. It was, uh, you know, there was an offer on the table, and I was like, yeah, that's like I I've been here before a couple of times. It's a beautiful city, and I know it's cold, but you know, it's going to be an adventure. That's what I knew. And my wife and my daughter hadn't been past Australia at the time, mm-hmm. so I knew like oh, this would just be a great family adventure for us, you know. Like I I I, I wanted to, you know, obviously I was coming towards the end of my career. But I was in really good shape and I just thought, I want to make sure I finish as best I can. Uh-huh. If I'm going to finish, I'm probably going to retire overseas somewhere. So I want to contribute wherever I can in the next place that I go to, do as best I can. And, and what I'd heard about Edinburgh, they were a young, a young club in terms of pro, pro rugby. They had a young team and, you know, and they were you know, looking for, for, for senior players at the time. Um, and so you know, I was happy to, to come up and... And that was it. We hauled up and, and ended up in Edinburgh. Um, but, you know, I was well aware at that time too, when since I'd come back 
you know, from the year, year and a half away, you know, what I, what I needed to do, what I needed to put in place and just the lessons that I had learned along the way. And I needed to make sure that uh, uh, other players knew about it. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I didn't share my story with guys, but I just, you know, would always, you know, pick up on some of the behaviors of guys as I got, got used to, you know, um, get yeah. used to them. And, and uh, I kind of find it found, uh, I kind of found that I was in a place where I was always kind of, you know, putting my arm around guys and checking in on, on players. Um, and I just started to get a kick out of it as well. Mm -hmm. I started to feel like I started to feel good about doing something like that. You know, mm -hmm. I guess you get to that point as a senior player where you're kind of just more worried about the guys coming through more so than being yourself and where you're at. You know, like I, it's not like I was trying to shoot for higher honours. You know, it's not like can play for Scotland or anything. So, um, you know, I was at that point where it was more so about making sure that those guys were were doing the right things uh, off the field. We were making the right, making better decisions than I than I did, mm -hmm. uh, and making sure that they were, you know, mentally were were in in, in, in safe places to be able to to uh, I guess um, share their thoughts and. Um, and their struggles and their challenges. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and that was it. But I ended up uh, picking up a really bad hip injury, uh, which actually ended my career. It wasn't my knee, it was my hip. Uh, I got degeneration in my hip. So basically arthritis. Okay. Um, so I uh, played, played out the season. Um, and, and, and that was that. Um, that, was, that was pretty much the end. And obviously it finished a bit more prematurely than I expected. Um, but I just had to, you know, it's, it was another realization. I just had to accept it. Um, and once I accepted it, um, it was around about halfway through my last season. Once I had accepted it, it was, I was another weight off my shoulder. I actually just, again, just started, because I think I was in a place where I was trying to get it right, trying to stay competitive and trying to get back to some good form, but it just wasn't happening. And then once I just kind of let it go, I actually just enjoyed, you know, obviously contributing what I could, but just enjoyed those last kind of four or five months of, you know, being able to live out my my dream as a pro rugby player, um, and it was just again, it was just getting around the younger guys. There was just so many young young kids at the time who were now. You know, some of these guys are huge international stars here. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, playing so well, um, doing so well for themselves and their families, and really kind of really been happy to see that progression in them. Um, keep their feet on the ground really well here in, in Scotland. So, um, you know. So for me, that was that was the end of it. Um, uh, and, and what year are we talking? So it would have been about 2000 and... 2000 and 2000 and end of 2014 or 2015, 2014. I think it was. But it wasn't, the end, it wasn't the end for your, um, your time in Scotland because one, you're still <laughs> here. Yeah. Uh, and you've went on to do some, some fantastic things. T tell me a little bit about the, the rugby for life um, which is a, a program that's run for for supporting rugby players with with their mental health. Tell tell me about about that. Yeah. So um, as I said, like yeah, I was was on the verge of going back to New Zealand. It was done and dusted. You know, getting ready to move back home after my my playing career, and um, there was a, a job uh, on offer at the union where there were it was a relocation uh, officer role. So it was relocating foreign players into Edinburgh and, and Glasgow, the two pro, two pro, two pro clubs here. And I just thought, well, like, you know, like when I looked at the description, you know, it's the first time I kind of looked at a job description and I was like, oh, okay, that's what it is. And obviously 
you know, uh, I was looking at it and there weren't boxes that I could I couldn't tick, but you know, there were boxes there that I I thought were really important that that would get me over the line, and that was that was someone who had experience in pro pro level rugby, someone who uh, had experience in relocation, which I'd obviously had first hand, um, and in all these kind of boxes that kind of ticked off for me, and I thought, look, I'd be really keen to do this, and because it was really it was really tough moving over, I didn't really realize at the time. For me, it was okay, but for my family, it was really, you know, this cultural shock to them. Um, but also just that whole relocation process, re, you know, resettling into a new country, into a new place can be, can be quite tough. And, you know, especially for a lot of Pacific Islanders, they come here as well. It's you know, Some of them coming straight from the islands now, straight here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a big, big shock to the system. So I was really fortunate. Again, they, you know, applied for the job and I was in, you know, I got it. And, um, and it was the start of a new kind of career. You know, it was just, I guess it was just a, an avenue or another kind of vehicle to try to make sure that I was doing something that I enjoyed or finding something that I enjoyed. And I loved it. You know, it was just, I was able to kind of help families, help players and their families move over, settle in to the environment, make sure that you could put them in the best place to give them the best chance to put their best foot forward so that that player could go off knowing that his wife and kids are happy and safe. Yeah, you know, kind of take that away from them when they turn up to training, and you get the best out of them. So, really enjoyed that role, and that role started to evolve into you know support off the field around development and like coming through the New Zealand system. You know, uh, it's a, they have a really good uh, development program back in New Zealand um, that's just evolved over the last twenty odd years, mm-hmm. um, and so just started to apply some of those things that I had learned on, on the way. Um, and uh, at the same time, H, the HR department at Scottish Rugby, we're looking to put together a player support program. So I got a phone call from them uh, to head upstairs and, and have a chat. And uh, just so happened that we were both thinking the same things about around about what, what's what's needed, what we think is needed, what, what you know, and thinking about duty of care to the players. You know, how can we support them? You know, not you know around the mental mental well being space mm-hmm. um, and. I guess coming through New Zealand, I knew how just how big that that space is. It's not just about making sure that their their mental health is good. Doing that, it, it, you need to cover off a lot of other areas in their lives that make them feel safe, that make them feel you know secure. And so those areas are everything basically outside of rugby. You know, so it's their it's their personal development. It's their um, it's their uh, um, you know, making sure that they are, are, are looking at for interests outside of rugby, that they're proactively doing that. Mm-hmm. It's making sure that they are, you know, looking at um, gaining qualifications while they're playing in whatever interest that they that they have. Um, so we look at all those areas around their um, uh, educational pathways and career pathways to their financial management. You know, the guys are coming into big numbers from high school sometimes. You know, where they're recruiting very young now, so. It's just helping them deal with, you know, some of these overwhelming numbers that they're, they're having to deal with and, and making sure that we're bringing in people that can help, you know, professionals that can help support them in those areas, help them to learn as they go. You know, it's really important for these guys to learn to be able to uh, become more self-sufficient, mm-hmm. be able to deal with things on their, you know, uh, on their own. Um, and so... Uh, we look at all those kind of areas and around the mental well-being space. And so the program is designed to support pro, um, players 
at different levels, different stages and ages of their careers. So, you know, you have your young guys, so you're making sure that you're providing support around their professional development, you know, around their nutrition and all sorts of things to, you know, the expectations, you know, them versus, you know, what, what, is, what is real um, around pro, pro rugby um, to, you know, your guys around that middle, middle tier of your career. That's when things can just get to, let's just jump on the, on the PlayStation and, and Xbox and just wait for training each day to, you know, the guys that are at the very end towards the end of their career and just making sure that, we, you know, we can provide support around transitioning out of the game, you know, which is an area that we're currently kind of building towards at the moment. We launched back in March of 2018 and we've put a lot of emphasis around that middle tier and making sure that those, we want it to look a bit different for, for, for pro rugby players that come into the environment to see that it's not all just about rugby. You know, these guys are doing things off the field. These guys are ticking boxes and, and actioning plans while they're playing. That's all part of being a professional rugby player. We want our young guys to see that. So when they come in, they follow suit. Um, you know, that's, that, that's really where we're at at the moment, but we're still very young uh, in this program. And, you know, there's a lot of trial and error uh, around what we're doing. Um, but, you know, we're, we're starting to get uh, good engagement from, from the player group. Um, not all players need, need support, and we understand that. But at the same time, you know, you never know. You know, and that's something that I've started learning as I've, you know, this is obviously something that's new to me. I've never done this before. I don't have any experience in it besides, you know, experience on the other side. But, you know, I've had to learn things, you know, around um, everything from, you know, uh, managing a program to, you know, to being able to um, organize initiatives and, you know, speak to people outside of rugby, you know, to get next to, you know, um, businesses and, and corporations and all sorts and, and, and kind of look at ways to, to find uh, ways to, to, to build these initiatives for to support our players. Um, so it's, uh, you know, like, as I said, like, uh, uh, the engagement from the players is now slowly starting to increase and they're starting to see where the benefits come and engaging with the program. But what's really, what's really been comforting is seeing guys actually actioning things themselves, taking it upon themselves to now start moving, uh, which wasn't really happening um, until we had launched the program. So it's really good to see that we're starting to see that cultural shift and the way that guys look at, you know, what, you know, life after rugby or life beyond the game but also around the mental health um, uh, uh, stigma, around that, that stigma, around that, 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 that mental well-being space. You know, that cultural shift to realise now, they're like, look, it's, you know, it, it is an emotional rollercoaster ride going through pro, pro sport, not just pro rugby, but any sport, you know, injuries, non-selections, you know, there's always going to be dramas, there's always going to be politics here and there, you know, um, different coaches, different, you know, you know, um, things that you can't control. Um, and so it's just important to realize that like, hey, it's okay to to go through those emotions and let those emotions out. You know, the worst thing you can do is, is leave it in there and not talk to anyone about it. So I guess all I try and do is challenge guys to, to find that motivation within them, to find that intrinsic motivation to go out there and look, and look for other interests outside of rugby, but also to try and create a safe, safe place for them to be able to share their thoughts, to share their feelings, to be able to, uh, you know, to, to use myself as an avenue uh, that they can offload, that they can offload 
anything that's, that they're going through, uh, not just myself, but others, you know, within the environment as well. Um, and just making sure that we can have, um, I guess, those those kinds of services readily available for them. Just the same way that that, that injuries and, and physical, you know, yeah, we have yeah, are available. Everything, you know, all doctors, whatever, yeah. you know, some, you know, it's, it's fascinating to listen to you. What I really like about the initiative in particular is the fact that it's not just about supporting young guys, mm. not just about supporting, you know, the middle, and it's equal importance on guys coming towards the end of their career because that's a really tough time. You've, you, yeah. you, you, you will have faced it where you're yeah. in the, you're going into the real world, and yeah. I think it's great that you're you're given that support because let's yeah. be honest, twenty years ago, these things weren't these things weren't around. You know, it was unheard of, and especially a sport like rugby. Mm. It might be tough, you know. You're not meant to yeah. show any emotions. You're not meant to, you know. So yeah, this is something that you're kind of trying. Yeah. You know, take it's time. It's yeah. brilliant. Trying to get around that mental health space, that stigma. Uh, this is quite hard in any sport. But uh, looking at rugby, it's uh, it's a male-dominated sport. Like you said, it's physical. You mm. have to be tough. You have to be, you know, you have to be hard-headed. You have to be able to take it on the chin. You have to be, you know, and then physically you have to be that person as well. And if you're not, the other person's going to have it on top of you. So it's a highly competitive environment. You know, you mix all that together, and you're gonna you've got an environment where guys don't want to tell anyone about their emotions or their yeah. feelings yeah. or share those things. Which is little do they know. That, to... Yeah, little do they know that actually sharing those feelings or just talking about it and getting it out of your system actually better for you you know uh, we're still trying to get to that phase we're still we're still trying to uh, um, kind of promote that as much as we can they're like the more you share you know it's that it's that old uh, saying you know a problem shared is a problem half yeah. um, you know and the weight that comes over your shoulder we're starting you know you're starting to see articles now of athletes who have really struggled you know right across the whole um, pro sport um, in different sports where there's similar struggles. I just read the other day uh, a kid had to retire uh, as a pro gamer because he had some sort of injury on his hand. So wow. 25 years old, pro gamer, is yeah. unexpectedly have a career, has a career-ending injury. And, you know, he's, and like, you know, he's gutted. Obviously, he's, a gut, he's gutted, but, you know, he's talking about, you know, what he needs to do now. What is he going to do now? You know, mm -hmm. now that you're now not a pro gamer, who are you? you know, what do you what do you like? You know, what type of person? Who are you really? Yeah. Now that you're not this person, the pro gamer, who are you? And that's a tough question for, for athletes to answer because the moment you're in that environment, you immerse yourself in it, you stay in it and you don't tend to kind of, you know, everything seems a little bit different after if you have if you're not as grounded or you don't have the right people around you to support you to help you keep your feet on the ground very easy to just get sucked into that bubble that pro rugby bubble you know that schedule which becomes your life which what you think is your life you think this is my life this is who i am mm -hmm. you know and you think about performance and you think about like if you have a bad game and you kind of wear it the whole week you know you're just you're down the whole week you're trying to get yourself back up but yeah. you know you're you're, yeah. you're now your day off you don't feel like doing anything or you, know, you don't you know, all you can think about people around you get the backlash yeah. of it because you're just grumpy and you're and that's and you're all you can think about you're under pressure to bounce yeah. back to, to yeah. perform the following week. So when that's all you're kind of doing throughout every single week, it's pretty easy to determine that that's 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 
how you identify yourself. Once you can understand that, like, okay, that's just, rugby is what I do. It's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And then once you can realize that, then you know that, like, okay, come day off, like, I need to go about, do my errands. And, you know, there's also, you know, I guess, I don't know, whatever, if there's another interest, uh, I don't know, it could be anything. You know, yeah. it can be the time, going to the park, getting out for a walk, going and seeing some. Yeah, making coffee, like... you know, like a lot of these guys like to brew coffee, you know, so making sure that they're, you know, looking to do other things like building a business or, um, or, or upskilling themselves, you know, like I, I, it's really, I'm really trying to push that message right now to the players about the importance of upskilling yourself. A lot of guys uh, feel pressure to gain qualifications straight away. I need qualifications so then I can go and do something. I say, well, it's not just qualifications that you need, you know. Employers are always going to ask about experience, you know. And the thing is that you do have transferable skills, uh, a lot of experience in the transferable skills that are needed to, to go into any job, yep. you know, work ethic and, you know, communication skills, you know, that's being a team member, being part of a team, you know, achieving goals, goal setting, all those things you guys know how to do down pat even receiving feedback and constructive feedback and being able to be accountable, you know, you can't hide on that field. Now you can't hide on the, on the footage there, you know, so you're going to be accountable. So, you know, you can take those things with you, but the thing is, is that what, what guys uh, don't realize is, um, is that pro rugby, pro rugby anyway, but most people who come out of pro, into pro sport, you're usually coming out of school now, you know, you're coming really young out of school. So your first career is something that you were already doing for free because you loved it, you mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And it's something you're still going to do when you finish because you're still going to turn up on Tuesday and Thursday at your local club and play social rugby. Why? Because you love it. Mm-hmm. Right? So you've gone into a career, high-paying career, that's, that you know, you're doing because you love it. The last thing you want to do is be forced into another career that you don't like mm-hmm. because you don't have any options because yep. you didn't give yourself any options. You know, you didn't give yourself, you didn't invest time in yourself during your career. Those, you know, those parts of the week that you do have off, you know, and, you know, all of our players have realized that like, yeah, I do have time to do other things. We are busy. We are all busy in our lives, our, 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 our playing careers and our personal lives, but there is time. There's time if you, if you commit to it. There's time if you prioritize it. If you really want to transition smoothly and successfully out of the game, then you'll invest time into it. If you really want to be good at that video game, you'll invest time into it. You know, you'll be able to give up your lunch break because you want to sit there and keep going. You know, like you're willing to, you're willing to sacrifice something there to, to make that work, to be good at it. So you've got to look at your development and your, you know, your eventual transition out of the game in the same way. You've got to invest time into it. There's no lucky person who's just gonna realize who you are and help you you know get you on your feet there might be one or two stories but how many of those stories have you seen so you know it's just bringing that reality to them you know and making sure that they have the right tools to be able to make that transition out of the game you know and so we look at we look at areas to invest in uh, and those kind of opportunities where they're working on their development, working on their self-development in those areas around career education, financial management, you know, the mental well-being, all those areas that the whole kind of that full full service kind of thing outside of outside of uh, their professional development as rugby players. You know, trying I try and move away from the 
on that word players or pro players, sometimes I try and mention, I try and look at them as people who play rugby, people yeah. who play to play rugby rather than rugby players, you know? So, um, you know, it's, it's just trying to put that little perspective and give, give players that perspective that, yeah, you're not, you're not a pro rugby player. You're, you're a person that gets paid to play rugby. You can, mm -hmm. that, that's it. But you're a person first, you're human first, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, when you get criticism, yes, it's okay to be angry about it. Okay, don't try and just like park it like it's nothing if it's still grain, grinding you and living rent free in your head for the whole week. Like, get it out. Yep. You know? Yeah, you be angry about it, it's fine. It's okay to be angry about it. It's okay to be upset about it, you know? But it's not normal to to kind of keep it within you. It's not good, like physically, it's not good for you as well. Mm -hmm. you know, not just mentally, but physically what it does to your body. Um, and it's just it's just kind of educating the players in, in this in this space um, so that they're able to make better decisions. You know, um, it's it's making informed decisions throughout their careers, um, but it's making sure that they're informed first and not relying on everyone else to do something for them. It's not, you know, you know obviously you have your agents, etc., but you don't want to be relying on them to do everything in your personal life. Yeah, you, know, you want to learn as you go. So when I was re when I was relocating players over. It was about um, educating them. It was about showing them how to do things and then leaving them to do it and not being the person to, to help them pay their bills every month or help them, you know, change over their, 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 their um, broadband stuff or things like that. It's like, like, this is how you do it. This is, here's the information. If you do need a little bit of help or you're stuck on something, let me know. But I want to try and give that over to them. Like, you, handle that. You, know, you, don't need, you don't need your agent to help you do that. You can do that. Mm -hmm. like it'll, it'll, it'll work you know and if you need to cover it off me cool give me a call and we'll cover that off but I, it's just trying to teach them it's, it's more of a learning curve for them and not a service that you want to provide for them you don't want to spoon feed these mm -hmm. guys you know in the end it's about that's you know around that's the self-development there that's becoming self-sufficient that's being able to rely on yourself because if you do that the confidence self-confidence that builds that goes onto the field being able to make better decisions, being able to make decisions and be accountable for them because, you know, I can own that because, you know, um, I'm a bit more self-sufficient, I'm a bit more sure of myself. Mm -hmm. And if I make mistakes, I know that's a mistake, but I'll grow and I'll learn, you know? So all the, it's, I guess it's, it all comes together. It's, it's all rela relatable to, to performance, you know? Um, but I believe that if they can get that part right off the field, it's, it takes them a long way off the field, uh, on the field as well. You know, uh, they, they gain more around you know, their performance on the field as well. So, you know, we're, like I said, it's, it's a bit difficult at the moment. Um, obviously, yeah. we're locked down and we're restricted. So I'm just trying to shift the whole program online so that the players can access all of our resources and support mm -hmm. um, moving forward for now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is, is, is just kind of checking in on them every now and then. And just going through the list and calling up all the players, probably annoying them sometimes. And I get it. Yeah. I, I totally get it. Yeah. You know, sometimes that I sometimes I um, I doubt myself because I know I've been that guy on the other line. Where I'm like, geez, what does he want? You know. And you know, and out of courtesy, you guys are picking up the phone. I totally understand that. You know. But again, I need to realize, and I think that's a lesson for all of us: is that no one knows what someone else is going through. Absolutely. You never know what a phone call will make, you know, and sometimes I'll get a text or, you know, at the end of the phone call, the guys are like, oh man, thanks for calling. You know, appreciate your call. And mm -hmm. you know, some guys will call back the next week or they'll send a text message 
you know, so you've got to get a get a gauge of like where they're at. That mm-hmm. they're keen to kind of have a chat, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, so I never kind of just miss a guy. I'm like, nah, get through everyone. Hey, if you're annoying, you're annoying. That's fine. Yeah, I can live. I can live with that. But I, what yeah, I can't live with is that if I just every fourth or fifth call could be a very important call. You yeah. might get two or three people that are a bit busy and thinking, oh Ben, uh, I, I yeah. like Ben, but maybe I would rather yeah. speak exactly. to you later. Totally get it. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I um, I just told, I just remember telling myself, and uh, speak to one of the players before I came into this role. It was like, look, man, like I, there's so much now that I know about, not just as as, as a priority player and the career that I've had, but also personally about myself. Some real, some things that I've realised in my career, why I took that break, why I, and there were there was. You know, when I look back now, I'm like, geez, I know exactly, I almost know exactly why I walked away from the game. And it was hard to admit it. But as soon as I did, uh, it was easy to move forward and easy to tell that story again to players, you know. And for me, a lot of it was that I wasn't where I wanted to be in that point in my career. Even though I'd had a very successful time on the way up, I just wasn't happy where I was at that time. Mm-hmm. And I let that eat me. I wasn't happy because other guys, my other teammates were going past me and I'd been a guy that had kind of always been at the top there. So seeing others go past me, I couldn't handle that. You know, I wasn't jealous of them. I was always happy for the brothers, but I just wasn't happy that I wasn't there too. Yeah. So that was digging at me, you know, so, but having to realize that and to admit that, that was hard, you know, but once I did, I I thought, man, if I had just admitted it then, geez, I would have gone back to work. Could have dealt, could have gone back to work. All these kinds of things, all these kinds of lessons. Back on the road. All these kinds of lessons, you know. I told, I was telling someone. I said, "Man, if I if I go back to New Zealand, knowing what I know, and I don't tell these guys, man, I couldn't sleep on that, you know, because they need to know. Because if they don't, and the same cycle keeps continuing, geez, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night, you know. So I just knew, like, no, nah, I need to keep telling the story, and I need to keep prov- providing the support as long as I can." long as they want me here at the union you know so uh, because you know and i've kind of found that that's that's my purpose that's that's what i where i want to be i want to be supporting these guys and like i said when i came back to play that's a role that i was just subconsciously doing yeah i didn't realize that my wife actually showed me an article from back in 2010 where i was actually i actually had quoted all that that i'm back here to support the players to help them you know with what's going on outside of rugby. I don't even remember quoting it. I don't even remember the article, but she's like, geez, look at this. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. You, you, you know? you, you've been listening to you from the start of your career to where you've got to. You've, you've evolved per, as a person mm. significantly. I mean, you look at that guy that, that had the, the 18 months out of the game, life mm. spiraling out of control, you know, yeah. struggling. Um, you bounce back and I, and I love the way you want to give back now um, yeah. I think your role at SRU is a fantastic role I think it's extremely important yes I'd imagine there's a few times you speak, you're chasing after people then having to do that and they, they're maybe not but they're, but it's still important that those people know if they ever do require it the support yeah. is there and they, they yeah. do have somebody to talk to who's been through life experiences and I think it's been it's been fascinating to chat to you today yeah. um, been a, I think you've had a, a great great upbringing, great career. I think uh, I wish you wish you all the very best with um, the work you're doing over here in Scotland. Hopefully, when all this madness passes, maybe we could have a coffee or something. Oh, sometime. sure, yeah. Uh, 
and have a, have a, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be good to meet you. But yeah. thank you, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk. Cheers. Yes.